In today's episode, we'll be talking about how to monetize your music business, mental health, and much, much more with Ivan Calderon. So stay tuned. You are now tuning in to the DIY Artist Podcast, hosted by Nico Santana. The DIY Artist is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is the best place to get your music out for the world to hear for $20 a year. You can get your music out to over 100 different digital streaming platforms. Fill out the form, upload your music and cover art, and you're ripping and rolling. Or is it ricking and rolling? Who knows? <laughs> Did you know that you could use DistroKid to get your lyrics synced to different services like Apple Music, Instagram, and more? I've done it, and you should too. In fact, I even have a video on my YouTube channel that goes over how to do it. So check out DistroKid using my VIP link, distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash Nico Santana for a discount on their already unbeatable price. And again, thank you, DistroKid, for making this podcast happen. Today, I have a friend and local Tampa resident on the podcast, Ivan Calderon. In today's episode, he shares a bit about himself as a full-time music producer, some of the ways he's diversified his income in his music business, and where he sees the landscape of music creation going. What he won't share with you is his drive and unique ability to solve the most complex of problems, simplifying them for users of all levels. Ivan and I met through DistroKid, and we have a ton in common. So be sure to listen in to our entire conversation as there's some great nuggets of wisdom for all artists and great reminders for us as creatives. Welcome, everybody, to the DIY Artist Podcast Season 2. To launch the season, we are doing an in-person interview with none other than Ivan Calderon. I like to say it in Spanish because it's easier for me. I don't know why. But uh, yeah, welcome, brother. Thank you for uh, Thank joining you. us in the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It took a lot for us to get set up here, so hopefully everything works out. I think it's um, good. We did a pretty good job. You know, I wanted this to obviously be the first episode of Season 2 just to commemorate Honestly, your accomplishments, man, as a as a truly full-fledged DIY artist and kind of just talk about the ways that you monetize and going into that a little bit deeper, but also hearing yeah, your story. Absolutely. You've been doing this for like full-time production for how long? I think the last like real job that I had was 2017. 2017. So what's that? Three, I can't math right now. Yeah, five four. years? Yeah. You're, five you're, years this year? Yeah, yeah, you're hitting five years. So from the moment that you thought about like, yo, I want to make music a full-time thing yeah. to the moment that you were able to either move away from your job like what was that transition like oh dude the the transition for me maybe was a bit unorthodox compared to others i don't know because i actually went to school for like business that's one thing we have in common we both have yeah. a marketing degree yeah um but when i was in school okay so initially i really wanted to go to berkeley in boston okay Music has always been my thing. Yeah. Um, but obviously, like as a first generation college student, you don't really have like the funds to do that. I decided to go to a public university and, you know, thanks to the powers that be and then just my grades from school, I was able to get a full ride to USF here in Tampa. Nice. So I did marketing because I wanted to eventually like loop that back around. Like I want to eventually incorporate this somehow into music. Right. But all my three, four years in college, it was mostly business oriented to the point where after I graduated, I landed a job working for Viacom in New York City. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so my office, it was it was beautiful. One of the most beautiful moments of my life because New York City is, is an amazing city. But I lived I lived up in, the, up in the heights and I worked in Times Square, which is a, where the Viacom building is. But I, I worked there for probably only maybe like less than a year Okay. because then my boss got laid off. And then at that moment, I had to make a decision. It was like, do I do I stay here? 
or really what they wanted to do was transfer me to Miami. Okay. And I had just gotten a lease in Tampa that I had to sublease to move to New York, got another lease in New York to then move to Miami to do it again. So I was like, I think this is the moment where I can finally focus on me and the things that I want to do. So I was like, you know what? Uh, I appreciate the opportunity, but I'm going to, I'm going to say no. Yeah. And I moved back to Tampa Picked up, you know, just a job. At that time, it was Apple. I worked okay. for Apple for a little bit while I built up my clientele. And then eventually, um, 2017 hit and I quit. I had enough Jeez. clients to just build up. And then eventually, the YouTube channel took its own kind of path and course. And yeah. here we are. So this episode's sponsor is Riverside.fm. They are the leading podcast and video recording platform. And quite literally, I was using Riverside before they became a sponsor. For my first two episodes of the DIY Artist Podcast, I used Zoom, and honestly, I hated it. No shade on Zoom. The recording quality was just not it for me. I found out about Riverside.fm, and essentially, it was love at first sight. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but I can record at much higher quality audio and video on their platform. And just a tidbit of information, I'm actually recording this particular segment the sponsored segments and the introduction and the outro to this particular episode on riverside.fm 4k believe it or not what's amazing is that it doesn't matter where my guest is located when using riverside.fm i can bring them in and it sounds like they're sitting in the room with me i've done it with friends in london and australia it's pretty great after recording you can download separate audio and video tracks or use the riverside platform to easily edit your content all with a few clicks it's actually pretty incredible Today, Riverside is used by myself alongside more than 70,000 people ranging from individual creators to big names like Guy Raz, Gary Vee, and companies such as Spotify and the New York Times. There's a reason why so many creators use Riverside. Check them out if you want to start a video podcast or even record your videos using their platform. Create an account, get started today, use code NICO30 for 30% off your first year on a yearly plan or 30% off your first three months with a monthly plan. Again, that's Riverside.fm. Now back to the podcast. That's crazy, man. And and one thing off camera that we've talked extensively about is just the parallels in our journey, uh, yeah. which is oddly very weird. But um, you know, same thing for me. I actually went to uh, University of Florida under the same premise that uh, I didn't want to go to a private university. I actually wanted to go to University of Miami for audio engineering. They had a program there at the they time. Do. Or I guess they still do. I've toured um, their music schools. Have you? Yeah. Anyways, long story short, similar si- situation for me, first generation. Yeah, didn't have the funds to like kind of make my dreams a reality. So I I, I did the advertising route at UF with yeah. a business concentration. Um, I still don't do either, either advertising. I, I kind of do business. <laughs> um, and then music was my sole focus in, yeah. in terms of trying to supplement uh, my knowledge of like music and whatnot and marketing and then couple those things together. So that's, that's, that's interesting, man. I would say that like back then, at least not now so much, if you weren't going to like full sale or getting your audio engineering degree, like it just felt like you weren't going down the right path of like full-time, music. you know, which is funny because not to dunk on full sale, but I've heard from various graduates that it maybe wasn't the best path. I've heard the same thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. So one of them mixes for young thugs. So you can probably put those two and two together if you're crazy. into the, the, the culture. Yeah. And it's tough, man. And, and nowadays, so the, the cool part with you and the thing that I admire you about you the most is that you also took not just creating your own clients and recording people and, and obviously mixing and mastering, but then you took the YouTube, uh, kind of revenue, uh, or, or using that as a source of income. And then you've been able to diversify. So how did that YouTube journey start for you? And when did it become like legitimately like a source of revenue for you? Totally by accident, honestly. Okay. So I think, I think YouTube started 
Like it was a, like an infant when I was like in high school. Yeah. Um, like yep. 2005, six, seven, yeah, around, around those around years. Time. Yep. So I always wanted a YouTube channel just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, you know, in, in between when I was in high school, I was in like AP, IB, dual enrollment, all, all the things. Yep. I never had time for any of that. And then in college, even less, especially right. being involved in a bunch of different business organizations. Um, after college, you know, working like real jobs, definitely not. But what happened was sometime after I quit my last job, 2017, I started to record just vlogs. And most, the, the reason for them was really just to capture me with clients in the studio, nice. to have some sort of footage, and then, you know, market it later on to kind of build more clientele. Right. And that probably went on for like six months. All those videos are now private on the channel, so you'll never find them. <laughs> there, I think there's maybe one. If you can find that, then, or a good job, rather. But um, what happened was probably towards the end of 2017, I did a video. I believe I believe it's still my, my highest viewed video. Uh, it was like a splice review. Ah, okay. And that took off, and it was just sort of a different type of content for me. So then I, I began to question. I was like, well, what if I started to just to teach people the things that I know right. as opposed to just like vlogging? Because to be to, to really be successful as a vlogger, you have to do some pretty outrageous things or just already be famous. Right. So I started to switch over to education and the channel just kind of took on a life of its own. Um, but it wasn't really until maybe like 20, late 18, early 19, who knows? I can't remember that I really started to get really serious about it. And I've been posting once a week ever, ever since. Um Crazy. And things have just kind of snowballed from there into different kinds of, you know, ad revenue from YouTube to like sponsors to mm -hmm. my own products. And this is what I wanted to emphasize in this particular episode, because, you, you know, you're the closest thing that I know of somebody who is like fully diversified in terms of having a client base, like having actual like YouTube, like a YouTube business, having courses, having partnerships with major brands you know, and, and doing this yeah. pretty early on, I would say, I mean, uh, but at the same time still, you know, kind of being approachable, right. You're still, you're still approachable. It's not like you're, um, we were talking about off camera, like you, you don't feel like you've made it yet. And so there's still like that, that wheelhouse Dude. of like, of the grind, which yeah, is yeah. very evident and very much appreciative in this space. Cause you, you get one of two types of artists that you can either look up to. It's, it's people who are, uh, pretending like they're making it and they're not really doing like well yeah. financially or those who are like completely like 0.001%, right? Yeah. And you don't fall into either one of those categories. You're like an actual like well, it's business owner. It's funny because it feels, I don't know, man, like I've been doing this for five years now, but maybe it's like I was telling you before, maybe it's our Western programming where we always feel like we have to be hustling or whatever it might be. True. But even, even now, I still don't feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Sure. Is that necessarily the reality of things? I don't know. Is it is it really just maybe like like I said our 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 programming to where we're just conditioned to always be working and grinding and hustling? I don't know, but um, it's a weird thing. It is weird, man. I agree. Um, I was watching a YouTube video. I, I binge on YouTube videos, unfortunately. I think that's probably one of my vices. But uh, it was like a self uh, help type of video, and and this guy was rambling on about yeah. like what his definition of success was, and it was basically like getting paid for what you're passionate about and you're providing a solution to people, right? Yeah. And, you know, whether, I think this guy's from uh, Amsterdam or uh, an Eastern European country, but at, at any rate, his his mentality was a little bit different. It wasn't a monetary value that he attributed to success. It was more so like, what are you doing that is 
more so fulfilling. And I mean, from the outside looking in, obviously to me, you're successful. So that's why it's important to, you know, kind of reveal a little bit of the backstory behind where you got yeah. to what you, where you got to. But I understand that there are the, you know, like you said, the, the pressures of the society, yeah. uh, financial pressures. I mean, the uncertainty of, am I going to, you know, be able to keep this up and, and how long, you know, um, so what's what's that journey been like for you? Because again, we've talked about this at ex, you know great extents off camera, but just just for people listening, like even though you know Ivan's doing this full time, he still faces a lot of the same pressures that I would say that you did when you started, and probably even more. Absolutely, now. definitely. Um, you know, it's it's crazy because when I was working a regular job, you're capped at whatever it is, part time, full time. Yeah. But one of the struggles that I've had to maybe acknowledge more at the forefront in these past couple of years is that it's so easy to just work yourself to death as a business yeah. owner. A lot of times I find myself just working past 40 hours and it's so easy, especially whenever you have like your studio or your office inside your house. Right. Um, my goal is to one day have something separate, maybe like if I buy a house and I have enough land, I'll build a studio in the backyard where it's still, I don't have to deal with traffic, but you know, it's still separate. Um, but this is one of those things that I've had to kind of acknowledge and, and go out of my way to create those sort of boundaries, not only to, to be effective in my job, but also retain my sanity and take care of mental health because you can easily just have that switch on at all, all time. Um, and then, you know, past a certain point, you're not really doing valuable work. Right. You know, you've run out of your, you know, uh, attention span or whatever the case might be. Yeah. So true. I've had to be really, really careful about all those things. Yeah, it's it's true, man. I even even with my day job, like, you know, I've shared with you guys on the channel before that I, you know, I still work a full time job. This this YouTube thing is definitely a dream for me more than anything. But um, even back when even now that I'm salaried and I work from home as well, the, the temptation is the same. When I first started my new role, I was pretty much on from seven in the morning until like 7 yeah. PM, just trying to, you know, just, I don't know, I guess the, the anxiety of like trying to perform. And I would say that like you and I has, have similar personalities cause we're, we're kind of like perfectionists, right? Yeah. So, it's, it's our, 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 our blessing mind. and our curse. <laughs> so I think, I think with that, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's a trial, you know, but, uh, but like you said, finding that balance and then disconnecting from work when necessary. I, I've read a lot of articles on like Harvard business review and just yeah. the, um, the interesting thing of, of creative people specifically, if you're trying to be creative, even if you're not, but like creativity needs those pockets of absolutely nothing to do. Oh, absolutely. Dude. I, I, so before this pandemic hit, I was really into reading. I was reading a book a month. Two years have gone by. I can't believe I'm saying two years have gone by of, of this. But anyway, I'm starting to get back into reading this year. And one of the books that I'm reading now is called Deep Work. One of the things he mentions is, is exactly that. You have to have those boundaries because he talks about your conscious and your subconscious. So your conscious is used to deal with upfront problems, problems that require your direct attention like math. Right. You know, or like strategizing for something. But when it comes to those like big problems uh, that have multiple like variables, your subconscious takes care of that. Uh, so the whole like sleep on it thing is an actual thing. Right. And what, what's happened with me before is like you get off of work or you go to lunch and you're still checking stats or you're still checking how many cells I've had today or you're still trying to strategize. But the thing is, and the other thing he mentions is you have a, a a limited amount of attention per mm. day. Mm. Um, I think he even said it was like three or four hours for a, like a pro. Wow. That's how much you have in a day to squeeze out. But um, sense, yeah. 
towards the end of the day, you know, any any work that you do past, I don't know, that allotted amount of time, it's not necessarily the most valuable or the most effective. So all you're doing is is draining your brain, causing more anxiety, uh, and you're not letting your subconscious take over to really handle those deeper problems or, you know, that you have to really take care of. So I've been really, really cognizant about that uh, to the point where, like, I have apps now. I use technology to, you know, have a, a reminder app, time to go to lunch. And when it's time to go to lunch, then I just don't, I don't look at anything work related. Um, I've deleted like work email off my phone. Smart. I yeah. have, I have an, a, an email time slot on my day where I get back to people. Right. Where I reply to comments. Um, I've definitely deleted the YouTube analytics app. <laughs> Because that thing is a time suck. It is, dude, yeah. You know, that one out of 10 is the worst thing for, yeah. a, you know, creator's mental health. But it's a lot yeah. of things that I feel like we have to do ourselves now uh, to kind of be effective. And and going back to your point, we definitely need to embrace the novelty, the boredom mm-hmm. to kind of really separate yourself, kind of break away from that that chain, if you will, and then eventually just become, continue to be more efficient in what you're doing. I've thought about this a lot and and just kind of even just in corporate America of how much of like the industrial revolution's footprint is still instilled in like corporate America where Mm -hmm. most of the work is like mental and as we opposed still to live by those physical. archaic yeah. rules, yeah. And so, like, yeah, you'd go to the factory, work for eight hours, which makes sense. Your body can pro- probably tolerate eight hours worth of, like, just manual work, depending on, you know, your strength and whatnot. But you're not having to necessarily think of that repetitive motion, whereas, you know, if you're working from the computer eight hours a day, nine times out of ten, if it's trying to be strategic, planning, looking forward to, you know, whatever future endeavors you have, or even, as you mentioned, like, looking at analytics and obsessing over numbers that you really can't control yeah. at the end of the day, like it is very draining and then it sucks the creativity out of you and then more importantly i think it kind of sucks that visionary like mindset that makes all Absolutely. true entrepreneurs successful 100 percent. that's I crazy agree more yeah even though this this podcast was at least the theme i wanted to make it around monetization it, it, it's interesting because a lot of that has to do with taking care of and setting it's, up boundaries for it's yourself all right? connected dude it like is, i yeah. i can't be my most effective efficient self if i don't you know, set boundaries if I don't uh, focus and work with a purpose. Because what a lot of times what happens is, you know, we have, I don't even know what to call it, but it's it's just shallow. He calls it shallow work, the author of the book, where it's like you're checking emails. You know, we live in a social media world, so I have to post. Mm, No, you don't. Yeah, you don't. (laughs) Uh, What else is shallow work? You know, just a lot of different distractions. We live in a distracted world, and we have these little computers in our pockets where it's so easy to pull it out and get distracted. Or worse yet, just get information overload, which depletes your attention because you have a limited amount. Right. So it's just a lot of things that contribute, again, just to be able to be effective and continue to make money and, and provide value and solve problems. Shifting gears here, I wanted to ask you a little bit about what the landscape of music production is in terms of profitability. There's clearly a a ton of competition with producers and um, now even content creators. Do you think in 2022, the young 18, 19 year old can start music production and say, this is a profitable endeavor or is it more of an expensive hobby? So this is probably one of my favorite topics, but it's it's an extensive one because I don't think the landscape is the same as it was maybe like 10, 15 years ago Agreed. during the sound click days where, right. you know, you could upload a beat or even just to YouTube and, and pop off. Um, I feel like 
the the landscape now requires you to be that DIY artist mm. to where you're not just behind the scenes or you know you're you're out there uh maybe you have a YouTube channel I don't know maybe you have uh, a bit of a a TikTok or an Instagram where you're kind of giving back in some sort of way um but I don't know I, I mean there's different ways to do things right there's no right answer to anything but I do feel like now if I were to if someone were to say I'm 18 years old I'm 19 years old I want to start being a producer what does that look like right leverage the internet Mm. Um, if you put yourself out there and you don't necessarily have to do tutorials. I mean, that's not necessarily for everybody, right. but you could just showcase your art, make little beat videos, put them on TikTok and Instagram, maybe teach people how you did something. It doesn't have to be a full fl- like fledged YouTube video, but the more you put yourself out there, the more people know about you. And even like with labels, right? Like labels nowadays, they're not necessarily like looking to develop an artist. Yeah, they want true. some, they want someone who's already there that has a following so that they can invest money and keep going. that's why right. TikTok is, just fantastic for finding new artists yeah so yeah i mean to to be a producer in 2022 you also have to be a little bit of an artist i would say it makes sense man i I think the the more successful producers in our landscape i guess uh independent producers have built that brand behind their name yeah like el dre and you know a couple other people that you know you've seen pop off on youtube and that are successful at it without necessarily focusing on solely production right yeah and education being one of them, like you've done, um, obviously you have clients, but monetization on your YouTube channel, all that stuff. And there's different avenues nowadays. I think one, one of the saving graces for me that that I'm, I'm thankful for was not having the monetary resources in the beginning to pay for studio time, to mm. pay for... I mean, it's funny because just kind of a side note, a side tangent, like the way that I had my first studio equipment was because I wrecked my first car. It was a 1994 uh, Lexus SC400. You got the money from that and bought some gear? That's what I did. I wrecked it. I sold it, uh, totaled it. And so whatever salvage was there, I was like, you know what? Screw the car, man. I'm going to get some gear. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and funny. that was, yeah, I spent like a grand on like a computer, a microphone, and it just went off from there. Yeah. I mean, to, to maybe put it in a more business kind of perspective, you just want to, I would say, diversify yes. your revenue streams. Right. Because... You know, once you get out there and, and your name is known and you're producing for whoever, which can definitely happen, it's not necessarily like a thing. I would say it's more likely now to profit or to make money off of music because of all the tools that we have. Wow. Because of the internet and the social medias, because of how accessible thing not only equipment is, but how easy or open the um, the avenues of distribution are. Right. Right. But I would say from a business standpoint, it would be extremely smart to diversify because you know, there's months where maybe you don't get that client or the client didn't come back as you thought they would. Right. Uh, so that you, you want to have different ways to kind of still be able to support yourself. And, and the other thing, too, that I've, I've thought about as well is is when you're in a in a vulnerable position where you're not having maybe those multiple streams of income mm-hmm. or different like you're not diversifying, then you start settling for things out of desperation. And that's when you can be like really vulnerable for you know, just different things. Like I was in a situation just to kind of expound upon that a little bit more, uh, in like around 2015 where, um, a family member of mine had lost his job. And so I was trying to essentially make more money where I didn't have it. And I signed with a record, uh, label that was ended up being a scam, right? This guy was like, yeah, this guy was like a legit, like credit card scammer. (laughs) And I didn't see the red flags because I was so focused on the promises that he made, which was essentially like, you know, get rich quick, right? And yeah. Unfortunately, especially like in the Latino community, we 
there, there's a lot of that. There's yeah. a lot of like the pyramid schemes, the MLMs, the get rich quick schemes that unfortunately infect our communities, that harm our communities, right? And so I was prayed to that. So all that all that being said, I think like you mentioned between diversifying your, your 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 income and making sure that you have revenue coming in from different places, like you're not setting yourself up for failure and putting all your eggs in yeah. one basket. And then number two, it helps at least for me, it's helped me kind of distinguish what I'm better at than not. Absolutely. And then move towards that. Would you agree with that? Or? Absolutely. And you know, I would even say when when we talk about diversifying income, it doesn't necessarily have to be just with music. Exactly. It's just being smart with your money. Yep. Like if you come up on a stack or two or whatever, like invest it in a way that it returns dividends for you. Facts. Whether you buy like an index fund right. or whether you maybe save up and buy a real estate property. Um, what, what we're trying to say is like music is beautiful, but music... Let's face it, at the end of the day, for a lot of people, it's kind of like a novelty or like something that people right. don't always will pay for like music. There's some people who are definitely, you know, dedicated and, and are willing. There's a lot of paying artists out there. Yeah. You just have to look for them. But what we're saying is you just have to make sure you have that sort of like stability. And it doesn't always have to be with music. It can be with whatever. Just it's be true. smart with your money. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got, and mm. I think it attributes a lot to where I am now, was... Uh, a piece of advice that I got from the video music videographer for like uh, Prince Roy Shakira and a bunch of other artists. I was working yeah. in New York City and not to make the story long, but I had to deliver a hard drive to like one of the clients for Viacom. I didn't know that was him. I didn't uh, know I was delivering a hard drive to like the guy who, and he's a Latino. He's, I think he was half Mexican, half Honduran or half Salvadorian somewhere in Central America. Okay. It was the, the half, other half of the mix. But um, the one thing he told me was don't have a, plan b now obviously there's a lot of nuance sure but um what 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 i basically interpret that as is stay laser focused on what you really want because yes. what i found is eventually with enough perseverance and, and a proper planning and a good business model because you need those things as well right then eventually it comes to fruition um but you know it's just what i what i've been to say before is like if you do come across if you have if you make money from if you have a real job right. or, or you know a real job yeah. and you make money and you pay your bills and you save extra how can you maybe invest that money so it works for you right. while still being laser focused on the thing on that the you thing. want yeah that's true now everybody has different paths you know yeah maybe maybe people have real passion for a couple of different things and there's nothing wrong with pursuing all of them um but you also have to remember that your time and that your attention is limited. So where you take, where you kind of give somewhere, you have to take from somewhere else. It's true. I mean, I faced that, man. And I can attest to that exactly what you're saying, which is having kind of split focus in one area that's completely different and yeah. not feeding into my music and creative venture. And I, I completely agree with you. Now, moving moving forward a little bit with uh, like the diversification of uh, your income specifically, uh, you you shared with me a little bit about creating courses and uh, kind of creating products. Where do you see the landscape as far as like production and artistry, like in being able to create products outside of just a single or outside of a beat? Is it like NFTs? Is it like yeah. books, eBooks? Like what, what do you see that going? Dude, I, I mean, I think education is just a, 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 a big basket that maybe you can put some investments into. Um, not only because there will always be new people trying to learn music, True. 
But, you know, if you and unfortunately, you've come to a point where there's a lot of people who can come off really scammy, like the here in my garage and buy my course and I promise you'll make whatever. Um, That's a whole different story. But when it comes to to if you really want to get into like the providing educational resources, there will always be a market for it because people are always trying to learn. Yeah, it's true. There's always going to be someone who just learned about FL Studio or whatever and they bought their first MIDI keyboard and they want to know how to use it. Right. So there's always going to be a market for that kind of thing. I will I will say though that digital products definitely take a lot of time to set up, but once you set them up, they just kind of, you know, passively create revenue for you. You just right. you have to maintain them obviously, but Yeah. Is the uh like the customer service back end is that difficult for you or is it like is there a lot you know for me i mean up to this point it hasn't been anything crazy okay because i i sincerely believe that if you create a quality product a Mm -hmm. product that people want that is good not just something that you made because you want to make a quick buck like something that really serves the people which is what you should be doing anyway right then you're not going to get a lot of bad customer service. You will have the yeah. one or you know once or two like I need a refund or whatever. And in those cases, you just give them a refund, whatever the case might be. But I I don't because I've poured my heart into the things that I do put out as products. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have a lot of like bad you know feedback or anything of that sort. And maybe that goes back to being a perfectionist. I don't know. <laughs> but I spend a lot of time just thinking about like how can I serve people right. uh, to make sure they get the most out of this. And a lot of times it's just solving problems that I have on my own, you know? Yeah, I think that's the best way of looking at it. Serving other people and, yeah, solving problems that you can't find an easy solution to. I mean, yeah. that already, like, uh, indicates a gap in the marketplace yeah. which you're filling. So, good stuff, man. Um, any other takeaways, any other insight that you wanted to share with people in terms of monetization? We've talked about monetization. We've talked about, like, mental health and kind of just yeah. creating that space for creativity anything else that you wanted to share oh man um definitely take care of your mental health set those boundaries i love to work off of artificial deadlines Mm. try your your hardest to take care of yourself especially in the world that we live in today it is really easy to fall off that cliff and 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 i mean remember like if you're if your mind isn't right then everything else doesn't really fall into place so and then just keep going. I, I really did mean it. Be, uh, if you are if you really want something, just keep working at it. And, and you do have to have obviously a good business plan and have everything, all those ducks in a line. But at the end of the day, um, it's just a matter of time. Someone said it. Um, it's already done. Time just hasn't caught up yet. That's huge, man. Um, two things that I that I thought about while you were talking, which was one, uh, besides taking care of your mental health, is giving yourself enough of a timeline. Like I was I was reading this MSNBC or. I think it was CNBC, whatever, whatever it was. It was an article that was talking about like the five different stages of life and it broke it down into like 18 years. So zero to 18, like yeah. you're a dreamer, 18 to 36. Like I think it said like you're a researcher or you're an explorer. And then, and then from like 36 onward till 54, you were like a builder. So a lot of us constrain ourselves to like this 20, maybe 18 to like 25, 30 year period to like get everything done and mm. like start building and accumulating wealth and like being super successful. And I think when we create those, while it's good to create those false um, deadlines in order to like meet work on a micro scale, I think on a macro level, like having that like uh, that short of, of a time frame and not giving yourself enough grace to like actually build something worthwhile. Is- you said it, man. Be gracious with yourself because you've never done this before. Yeah. Right. Not even today. I have never done today before. Yeah. So be gracious with yourself. And I mean, you know, take what you will out of this. Take what fits and leave the rest. But I'll tell you this much. I just recently learned 
that um, an artist that a local artist from here that I really enjoy, he's 38 and he's barely beginning to pop off. So, you know, it's just a matter of like, do you have a passion for it? If you have a passion for it, what is your plan? Yeah. But when you have a plan, just realize it might not always go according to that plan. So you have to be able to pivot. But like I said before, I, and I really do believe it. If that's something that you want, I'm living proof. You just have to keep working. Be smart with your money. Right. Don't just buy that chain. You know, if you have Thanks. a couple extra thousand dollars, do some proper investing. Yeah. So things grow and work for you. I, I got to give it up to you, man, because you you're def- definitely an inspiration in terms of where you are with your work, your lifestyle, your your mindset, things that you've imparted onto me with our conversations, both like in person and just online and, and you know, via text or what have you. And even this podcast, I mean, I attribute a lot of it to you because I was just experimenting with the idea of having that podcast that you and I were talking about yeah. and just setting something up so that I could be a little bit more experienced once we got that rolling. So we'll see where it goes. Um, obviously I want to make sure that if we do launch a separate podcast, which would be more on like financial literacy and entrepreneurship and that sort of thing that it's done, uh, right. But a lot of the topics that we wanted to cover, I think we're covered today. And I think we could definitely expound upon these yeah. in a, in a, like multiple season, multiple episode type of podcast, which is great, man. We come from, immigrant Latino households. We both have had similar backgrounds. Like I mentioned before, you know, you're actually a first generation college student. Both my parents are college educated, but not here. And so there's definitely like that, that, that education gap for us as well. Um, and both my parents worked in the services industry when they came here. So we literally had to start from the bottom up. So, so we, yeah, we relate to a lot of things and we, and we, we definitely have, as you mentioned, you have a heart for making sure that you're, you're, you're giving the people what, what they deserve and what they want and serving other people. And I think especially in our communities, we, we need to see more of that. You know, we need to see if you, if you, whatever you want to do, um, I've learned that if you put the like people first, the people you're serving and you really put their interests first, everything else just follows facts. If you switch it around and try to make it more about the money, things fall apart. Man, you said it, bro. Yeah. Well, hope you guys like this episode, the first in-person uh, DIY artist podcast episode. Hopefully more of these. It's it's a little bit, you know, a little bit of a learning curve trying to get all this set up and hopefully everything came out all right. But the important part is the content. And I think we had some great discussion here today. So if you enjoyed the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel. We have a new DIY artist podcast channel. And of course, give it a like. And I will link all of his information in the description below because you guys definitely need to check out his content, not just for inspiration, but education as well. See his working style. See, I mean, this guy's a pro with video editing, the planning. He tells me about it. It's crazy. I mean, just even seeing it like, you know, before and after, it's just, it's just insane. So anyways, much love guys. Thanks again for tuning in. Y uh, hasta la próxima. Peace. Peace.